Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, I'm Sarah. When planning our home birth, my husband, Matthew, and I were really frustrated by the lack of empowering and honest home birth resources. So we created this podcast to start a new conversation for moms and families like us. This is Doing It At Home. What's going on, everybody? I am Matthew Bivens. You are you. And this is the Doing It At Home podcast. Super psyched to have you here today. It's a really beautiful day here in Atlanta and hopefully where you are right now there's some some sun shining on you and if there isn't maybe you can cultivate it from inside. Today's episode is a really fantastic interview and we're talking with somebody who has created a podcast and a website and a community that is often cited as one of the top resources from home birth moms and families that we have on the show. And that is Indie Birth. So yes, we're talking to Marin Green, the creator of Indie Birth. And Marin has a really, I don't know, she's an amazing woman. A really beautiful, powerful story of empowering herself and, you know, really following her passion, following her heart and creating an amazing, which actually started out as a magazine, which you'll hear. Um, but creating this amazing, amazing resource for moms and women. And, you know, what she does with her friend and business partner, Margot, um, I mean, they're they're changing lives. They really are. And a lot of you already know that. Uh, but what you may not know is some of, of Marin's backstory and, um, yeah, maybe some of her birth stories as well. I mean, Marin has eight children, eight children, some of which born in a hospital, some born at home. And so we get into all of that great stuff in this episode there. So, all right, I'm done talking. Let's jump right into our conversation with Marin Green. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, Marin. How are you? Hey, Sarah. I'm so great. I'm so happy to be here. Awesome, Marin. We are so thrilled that you would come and hang out with us on the Doing It at Home podcast. This is a conversation we've had circled on our calendars for a while now. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, yeah. You guys are awesome. I can't wait. Yes. So Matthew and I, as we were kind of plotting out this conversation and what we wanted to hit on and things like that, you know, some of the highlights for me is I was just thinking, you know, Marin's a powerhouse in the birth world. She's a leader in the birth world. And so many people are familiar with you and what you do. And a lot of our listeners, you know, in talking with them and, you know, having dialogue list you and what you have created as an incredible resource for their own journeys. So I know this is one that people are excited for and to hear, and we're just really honored. Oh, thank you. I am as well. So why don't you share a little bit of what that is and what you have created that has just been a, like, well of support, I would say, education, as well as just connectivity and community for women all over, women and families, really. Yeah, thank you. Well, if I start with just where we are now, uh, for those that don't know Indie Birth, you can go to IndieBirth.org and see all that we have going on. Um, Yeah, it is a growing community. We are growing every day. We are working hard to put out really quality information and education for women and families. We also educate midwives. We have a midwifery school. And so we are helping to create what we call indie birth midwives all over the world. And so that's a separate but related venture. And so that's what we're doing every day is just putting out podcasts and creating courses and coming up with ways to connect people. Um, that's kind of my theme for the year is how do we you know, connect people around birth more? Uh, so many women, so many families are, I think, feeling isolated in different parts of the world, um, you guys know, especially with home birth, you know, we're not, we're not the 99%. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> we are the small percentage. And so it's been really awesome over the last, you know, 10 years, which is how long Indie Birth has been around, wow. to, you know, utilize uh, the internet and social media to really, really create a growing community for people like us that want support with some of these choices that are outside of the box. That's That's, incredible. And 10 years. I mean, wow, just to think, you know, of all that's changed in what you just said, utilizing things like social media and whatnot, to be able to connect more around birth. I mean, from the beginning until now, I'm sure it's changed drastically. (laughs) Yes. Well, so Indie Birth started actually as a print magazine. Uh, (laughs) That's uh awesome. I know. It's so silly. It was like a zine, like a real zine that was printed up and distributed in Flagstaff, Arizona, where I lived at the time. And actually, it may have been more than 10 years ago, you know, 10, 11 years ago, I was a midwifery student, I was an apprentice. And it was just 
an outlet for my own creativity and wanting to, you know, have a stronger local community. I was new to the area. I was a student and it was just my first effort at like, okay, how can we find these people out there? You know, where are you? Do you want to get together? Do you want to watch birth movies? Um, And so this zine was really a collection of writings that I had done and some local folks had done as well as local advertising. And so that's how it started. I remember, you know, this long ago, brainstorming the name of Indie Birth with my husband, who is a marketing and business guy. Um, So we both have fond memories of it taking a while to kind of like pinpoint what I was after, you know, who who these people were. And so that's how it all began. I can't say that the print magazine was a huge success only because it's super expensive to have any kind of print. Uh, I can imagine. (laughs) But, you know, it was a valiant attempt, I think, at at what I wanted to do. Um, And I had no idea, of course, how it would grow and shift and change. So after that, we went online. And again, this is still probably nine to 10 years ago. So that was a completely different atmosphere than we have now. And uh, we had a website, IndieBirth.com, but it was really vanilla. It really hadn't come into anything super special, to be honest. Um, I was very much figuring out where I belonged in the birth world. Again, I was still a student and yeah, that might be a separate conversation, but you know, finding my own way as a midwife, my own beliefs, my own philosophy, uh, seeing lots of things that I was learning from. And again, not quite sure what I was all about. So Indie Birth reflected that and it was a, a nice natural birth site, but it wasn't too much more and it wasn't very specific. So that has all changed, of course. <laughs> wow. Now, do you have copies of those early Indie Birth magazines? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I probably do still. I probably do. And yeah, it's super fun. I mean, it had this like sort of retro looking logo. I mean, it was just totally old school. And oh, I love yeah. it. That's cool. <laughs> That's cool. Well, so, so I want to actually go back a little bit earlier. I want you to take yeah. us back to the beginning when you first realized that you were interested in birth? Where did that passion, where did that interest come from? That's a great question. It's so easy to skip over important points, you know, when they feel like they were so long ago. So my first baby actually wasn't born at home. My oldest is 15. And Her birth was at a hospital here in Arizona, and that was the plan, honestly. I did not know about home birth. So I always give big honors and applause to people like you that went that route with their first. I really honor that. Um, It wasn't something I was ready to do, and like I said, it wasn't something I was super aware of. So I had sort of your typical hospital birth. Uh, It was a vaginal birth, which I'm very grateful for. And after her birth, I was left with a lot of the feelings that I know a lot of women are just kind of disappointed in some way or not understanding really what a lot of the feelings I were I was having were about, Uh, you know, we're told healthy baby, that's all you should want or need. And I remember holding my tiny little new baby being pretty isolated. My husband was at work and watching things like baby story and 
kind of be a, being obsessive about it in this way of like, oh, I didn't know it could look like that, or I didn't know it could happen like that. And so uh, in two years later, I was pregnant again. And that short story is that was our first home birth, our son, uh, Egan, who's now 13. And that was when my world totally shifted. I had had, by all accounts, a pretty natural birth in the hospital, although that's a loaded term nowadays. Um, but with my home birth, obviously, it was completely different. We hired a midwife. Uh, we lived in Chicago at the time. And all of the midwives there are essentially you know, illegal, unless you're a nurse midwife. So we were uh, very underground. We did the underground thing, hired an unlicensed midwife, had a water birth. And that was the beginning of things changing for me. He was born, obviously, at home, and I just could not stop thinking about birth. I remember nursing him as a tiny little newborn and having a stack of library books next to my nursing chair that were all about birth and midwifery. And I adored my midwife. I had never met a midwife before, and her life seemed kind of crazy, honestly. And I remember thinking, I really need to do this, but I kind of wish I didn't need to do it because it seems really hard and it seems really complicated and, you know, she's illegal and all of these things on top of it. Uh, but, you know, your heart does not lie. So that's where it all began. And as much as I've tried at various points to, you know, maybe do something else, it's just not possible. So what I'm curious, what was it that that ultimately was that pull? Because... You know, I, I get that the experience with the midwife and the experience at home is very different from the experience at the hospital. But, you know, a lot of people like us, for example, we kind of we had the great experience. And then, you know, granted, we did we did start a podcast around it, but we didn't go as far as you've gone with Indie Birth. So, you know, what was it that even made you think, I got to do this? I, I got to be one of those those illegal underground midwives. Like, I know, right? Yeah. What? what I know. What? hold you in that strong of a direction? I don't know exactly. I have some thoughts. Um, a little background. I was a professional musician at the time. My husband and I both went to music school. And that's what I was doing during my first pregnancy. And even my second, I actually had an oboe reed making business. Oh, and that's cool. <laughs> It's so random. It's like the most random thing. <laughs> um, you know, and driving around Chicago, playing gigs and doing that kind of thing. And I loved music, but the more that it became a profession, the less I liked it. So there was something already in me that was searching for something more profound, something more passionate. And I didn't expect it to be birth, but again, I couldn't ignore it. So where that came from, I have no idea. I think, to me, indie birth, even now, is so woman-focused. I mean, I can't lie. You know, every midwife kind of has their reason for doing what they do. Some women, it's the babies, you know, whatever. But for me, it's the immense power that I felt birthing at home and that I have felt since with the rest of my births. And that is something that I know all women that choose to birth possess. So that is 
that is why I get up every morning. I want women to reconnect with that. I want them to see that reflected. I don't see myself as someone that is showing women how powerful they are or people say, you know, empowering women. No, I can't do that at all. But I can hold space for women in my own power and seeing women act on that and have these amazing births. That is what drew me to this, even though I couldn't necessarily put words to it at that time. That's what my midwife did. And that's just what stayed with me as something that is deeply important. Um, Yeah, but intellectually, I know I don't, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like on some days, I I say, you know, I'd be a lot better off making cookies or having a (laughs) business or something like it'd be a lot less stressful. But that's just not where my heart is. Uh, well, I'm I'm very happy that your heart wasn't in those things because what you've created with Indie Birth is incredible, absolutely incredible, and uh, you know you you impact lives and women and families and babies, and I'm very grateful that you were courageous enough to go down the path that you did. Yeah, I want to say too, I don't want to make this like a male female thing, but when you asked your question, Matthew, of like, but what was it? I was like. That's such a dude question because I didn't need to ask that for some reason. And, you know, again, I don't want to make it male, female. Maybe there are plenty of males who totally get it and females who don't. But when you described what you said and then you asked that question, I was like, no, nah, I get it. And I don't need to fully get it. You know why she moved into that. So just to poke fun at you for a second, honey. No, <laughs> I like awesome. that. No, it's awesome. And honestly, yeah, I think that's a legit question. And I've asked myself that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Many times, but you know, Sarah, like with the work you're doing, you do get it because it's just who you are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just who you are. Um, And I do want to give like a major shout out to Margot and talk about her for a minute because, yeah, um, many of you, you know, many people know hopefully that Indie Birth is very much a duo venture at this point. I did begin it years ago alone. And uh, gosh, Margo was probably a kid at that point. Margo's a lot younger than me. But Margo came into my life when I was a licensed midwife here in Arizona, about seven years ago. She was fresh out of college and somehow got the idea that maybe midwifery was the path for her, which we laugh about because lots of people say that. And you know, it's really the rare person that's actually going to go for it. But she was the rare person. So she got connected with me through a mutual, uh, a former client of mine that was a friend of hers. And the rest is really history. It was never something I expected. Um, I didn't expect to even have an apprentice uh, a couple years into my own practice. And I certainly didn't expect to get a best friend out of it and a super kick-ass partner in this business. Um, And Indie Birth would not be what it is without her. You know, you can't go at this kind of thing alone. You guys, you know, you know, too. Um, It's all about the balance. We can certainly have our own ventures, but something like this requires both of us. And it requires her being black and me being white and, you know, all of those things that create balance. So, that's, you know, that's why it's even growing. I wouldn't be able to do it alone. And I love and appreciate her and um, all of those things. You rock, Margo. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> um, I want to talk about for a second, the podcast and how that came up along this journey and what that's been for you and how you've been able to, I'm sure, reach 
you know, more and different audiences through, through sharing that message. And there's a nice balance there. I would say, you know, listening to the show and being on the show, um, it really encompasses what you said the website does from families, but also to train and bring more midwives into the space and to assist, you know, midwives in going that path. And then you also share some of your personal journey as well, which I find amazing. And you present this level of candor and wisdom, and then also vulnerability through sharing parts of your own journey. So maybe you could touch on what the podcast has been, and that's Taking Back Birth. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, thank you. Right. The podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the reason we're here. Um, the podcast for me was really my husband's idea. So this is all about collaboration on some level, right? Mm. And as I mentioned, he is the marketing guy. And he does this kind of thing in his own world all the time. And truly, he's he's more in the business world. And they're sort of ahead, you know, the kind of things we're doing in our tiny little birth world. So podcasts were certainly not a new idea in his world. And he mentioned it to me. So this was almost five years ago. And we had moved actually out of Arizona. Unbeknownst to us, it would only be for a couple of months. And that's kind of a separate story. But we were in a new location. I was attempting to build a midwifery business there. It was going kind of slow. I was pregnant again with my, let's see, uh, seventh baby. And so that was his idea. He was like, you know, uh, you should really do this. And at first, you know, it didn't sound like such a great idea. And I remember with the first couple podcasts, re-recording them and re-recording them and just thinking, oh, God, this is horrible. You know, (laughs) how do I do this? What do people want to hear? So over time, as you know, it becomes easier. And I basically just started by taking people through my own pregnancy journey which was really fun because even though it was my seventh pregnancy, there's always things to learn. Oh, Every yeah. Pregnancy. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I was really questioning a lot. So, you know, we were talking about any birth and earlier how things have changed. This was another pivotal point for me because I had left this licensed midwifery world. And like I said, unbeknownst to me, I would come back to Arizona and do what I'm doing now, which is 
practice as an unlicensed midwife, but I was at a very pivotal point where I was rethinking everything. And this had been going on, of course, for a couple of years. And this is something I continue to do. But in other words, I started the podcast with really rethinking what prenatal care even meant to me. And it was all very genuine and honest. Like I was honestly reconsidering these things and digging through research and uh, reading books and just kind of rethinking what I had done personally in my own pregnancies, as well as what I was offering people as a midwife, you know, like what was really necessary? Why do we do these things that we do? Uh, What does the research show? So I was very much educating myself as I was producing these podcasts. And I feel like that's a theme that I've stuck with. Um, I try not to be a know-it-all. I'm sure that, you know, it doesn't always come off that way. But most of the podcasts, I'm honestly exploring these things, sometimes for the first time. I did a podcast a couple weeks ago on transport. And I was honest, I was like, this is something I haven't talked about. And I'm a midwife. And that really is kind of dumb, because I've done 120 episodes. And let's talk about something that's real, because we transport. And sometimes we're the ones that are transported, and it sucks. And um, yeah, so I've really just use that as a platform to learn on my own to be really transparent. I don't know how you guys feel, but I love the actual platform of a podcast. I think it is way more effective than say a blog post. And uh, one of my reasons for that is I think it can really attract the right people and start to create community rather than a blog post that any old person can read. Um, you know, in our world, who knows, can get into interesting hands, and then you've got this like, war on your hands. But a podcast, you really have to be a little bit dedicated, right to press the play button. Yeah. And, (laughs) and to stick with it. And you know, again, not everybody loves what I do. I don't really care. But most of the people that listen and stick with it are creating a community unbeknownst to them. So that has been a really powerful tool. I'm so grateful for the suggestion. I'm so grateful for the people that listen because it it wouldn't be anything if people weren't listening to it. Mm. We're right there with you. You know, everything you said about the medium of podcasting, I mean, that's why we started our show as opposed to, like you said, a blog or, or you know, YouTube series. And so it's awesome. And once again, your show is called Taking Back Birth. So for those out there who are familiar with Indie Birth, but maybe didn't know that Marin also had this podcast, go check it out. Yeah, thank you. And you know, all the podcasts can be found on our site because iTunes doesn't typically keep, you know, 100 plus episodes. Um, So if you go to IndieBirth.com slash podcast archives, you can see all of the episodes. And at the bottom of the page, there's a whole handful that have been transcribed since that is something people have been after us to do. So if you prefer to read through them, then that's also an option for a few, at least. Nice. I want to touch on for a moment, a specific topic you've covered in the podcast, and then more recently, uh, related to your own experience with it. And that's miscarriage. And that's something you know, you and I talked a little bit about in some of our conversations and emails back and forth. We've talked about it a little bit here on the show, um, but not so much in depth. Um, And I feel like you in the space that you're in and who you are and what you represent, you can really bring a a, you know, healing perspective and kind of conversation around it and how it was for you. So if you are open to it, maybe sharing a little bit about that and some of the backstory on that. 
Oh, yeah. I'm completely open. And I think it's so necessary that we talk about loss. Yeah. Not everybody wants to hear it. And that's fine, too. But the truth is, most women will experience a miscarriage, you know, in their reproductive history, in their, you know, in their time in the childbearing years. So the fact that we don't talk about it is actually the weird part. I agree. Yeah. So my story, um, like I said, I have eight children here on earth and that's amazing. I've had two early losses. So five weeks about, and I have a podcast or two, I think on that and just talking about early loss because that's a thing too, of course, that I think deserves conversation and respect. But um, I did experience a later miscarriage uh, two years ago. And miscarriage is still the term that's used, and I use it as well. But my baby was 15 weeks of pregnancy. And anybody that's been pregnant or, you know, knows a little bit about fetal development, the baby is certainly a baby, a a pretty decent sized baby at that point. So even calling it miscarriage on some days doesn't seem quite right. Right. I don't know that I've I've found the term yet. Um, I'm usually pretty blunt about it. You know, it's like I had a baby and he died. And um, that's crazy in a way. Like it feels surreal on some days because what does time mean when there's mm-hmm. loss? You know, it's, it's crazy. Um, I've since birthed a live healthy baby. That's she's 10 months old now. And so I won't lie that, you know, there certainly was a lot of healing with her birth and having her here. And honestly, just last night I was playing with her and kissing her. And, and I thought, you know, having a baby after loss is, is a thing. Like it's a real thing. Even when you have a lot of children, um, the way that I look at her, is so different. It's so different. Uh, And it doesn't mean, you know, obviously, I love all my children. But there was a certain degree of naive, you know, being naive, um, and, and maybe not appreciating them quite as much. So anyway, it has very much shifted my perspective having that happen. And, you know, that pregnancy was really strange. I've written about it and I've talked about it a little bit. Uh, It was not a great feeling pregnancy, Um, you know, and not that every great, not great feeling pregnancy means anything. Mm -hmm. It's just for me, it was strange. It was a strange experience. And I had this underlying knowing that he wouldn't come to be. I don't know how else to explain it. I had had dreams And so uh, those couple months were strange. Um, A couple times I would listen to his heartbeat and not expect to hear it. It was a strange thing. And then one morning I started spotting and I still hadn't felt movement, but I had heard a heartbeat. And I remember just thinking, you know, this is it. He's going. And so I listened again and his heartbeat was there. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm just losing my mind. What is happening here? Uh, so anyway, short story, a couple days later, I'm guessing is when he did, in fact, die. Uh, that wasn't confirmed for a couple of weeks. And the way I confirmed it was just, you know, I was at that point, whatever, 17 weeks pregnant and still hadn't felt anything, which was really odd for me. And so when I went to listen at that point, there was no heartbeat. And that was like right after Thanksgiving. Of course, it's a moment I'll never forget. 
and being really angry, you know, just listening and being like, what the heck, baby? Like, where did you go? What, why are you so mysterious? Mm. And, um, I didn't confirm with ultrasound, but I knew my body and I know how to, you know, use the technology that I do have. And there was, there was no heartbeat. So the unusual part of the story, because honestly, as sad as it is, that's not, it's not atypical. It happens a lot. Um, the unusual part of the story is my body did not release him for four months. Wow. Uh, and that's crazy, right? That's not common, right? I mean, I'm not familiar, but that, I mean, in your experience and in your knowing, that's not typical, right? Well, that's an interest, interesting question. Okay. So it's not typical, but only because most women will choose to do something. Okay, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not judging that everybody has their own experience. The wisdom that I was shown gratefully is that there doesn't need to be a rush. I mean, they're really, you know, of course, there are risks to everything. But mm-hmm. I was, I was very aware of the risks. And I was very in tune with my body. And I just got up every morning and assessed kind of where I was emotionally, spiritually, physically, and felt no need to get invasive. Um, You know, it's a strange place to be, but I figured it really isn't a place that women aren't used to going, uh, at least, you know, not in modern times. What did women do? You know, how was this handled? Right. So it was a very interesting four months of every emotion you can imagine possible, lots of exploration, lots of research, lots of talking to elder midwives who are really the only ones that uh, hold this knowledge, you know, and I can say I hold a piece of it now, but um, truly it's not something I've experienced with other women either. So elder midwives were a big support to me and um, it was just a day by day thing. Uh, we had a midwifery conference. There was all kinds of crazy things. I mean, I was attending births. It, on one level, it was just absolutely crazy, but yet really normal. Wow. Yeah. I mean, just, uh, I mean, I'm very grateful for you sharing, and I'm sure so many women are as well, just to hear yeah. you, you know, really walk through it. Because even if we do talk about it sometimes, whether it's the woman who's sharing her story, she, maybe she feels like she needs to gloss over certain parts as to not put that on other people or feeling like they may not understand. I'm sure there's a lot of mixed things that come up when a woman does share this experience. Um, so I just really appreciate from a listener standpoint and a woman and a mother, like being able to sit in this space and hear you tell it like you did. And, um, I'm sure you go into all of that and more in the the episode, which will, will include links to, you know, to everything, of course, but you know, any of these specific episodes that you mentioned, you touch on it, we'll make sure those are on our show notes for this episode. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, I think the only thing left to say about it is it's worth telling the story not just because other women have been through it or, you know, that this is a part of life and birth, but that I think women need to know they have a choice. It's just like birth. It's just like the choices that we have to birth at home or, you know, to go to the hospital. And I think people don't know that. Uh, Literally every week, I would say, somebody who's in a similar situation will message me or email me. 
And even their midwives will tell them, oh, you need to go to the hospital or you need to do this or you need a DNC. And I feel like the risks aren't really um, being, you know, put out there in a transparent way. So waiting isn't for everybody. All I can say is for me, it allowed me the time to process and to grieve. And truly, I think I'm as about untraumatized as one can be. Like, Mm. I don't mind talking about it. Yes, there are elements of sadness or grief. But ultimately, um, I, I think it's different than somebody who's told they need to do this. And they go in and they never see their baby and their body never really experiences birth. And mm-hmm. I see the trauma that is left behind with these kind of losses. And I just think if I can prevent one person from, you know, being that traumatized because they didn't know they had options, then it's totally worth it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure that has carried into who you are as a midwife and who you are as this um, representative and and kind of you know, warrior for women in the birth world. Um, I would imagine it's, it's influenced all of your work. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely has. And, you know, not to, to rehash the whole story, but just to kind of tell the end of it, because I think that's important. Uh, after four months, I did intervene in the way that I felt I needed to. I had tried every natural thing under the sun. I had tried herbs and acupuncture and homeopathy and you name it, and I had tried it. So I wasn't above trying things to help my body out. My body just didn't want any of those things. So one morning, about at the four-month mark, I woke up and my husband said something really innocent. He wasn't trying to convince me. In fact, he had been my main support. He had been the one that was like, you're fine. Just stick with it. You're fine. Mm. But one morning he said something very innocent, like um, along the lines of one day (laughs) life will go on for us. Mm. And it was said in not a way to pressure me, but it hit me. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's time. It's time. My family has had enough of this. You know, I've had enough of this. It is time to move through this now. And that is exactly what I had been waiting for. Not necessarily a physical sign, but something to shift even emotionally. So I was waiting for Margot to get back. She had been at a birth center training and I very much wanted her there. And so I did utilize the technology that we have in a tiny way. Uh, Cytotec is generally the drug that's used to, you know, induce a miscarriage like this. And I was aware of that. Obviously, I had my Cytotec and could have done it at any point. But this was the point. And I used the tiniest bit. I think the dosage is like four tablets or something. And I used half of one, Mm. half of one. And honestly, it fell out once my body started laboring. Um, So it was just the nudge that I needed. I'm very transparent about that. I'm not anti-technology. I'm all about using the tools when we need them. And it was a sacred tool. It was an absolutely sacred tool. I literally prayed over the side attack. Um, I, I prayed over it and I knew that it was the nudge that I needed. So, you know, it's not uh, that I was just meditating and one day this baby came out. No, I had to go there and I had to consider these things just like all women do. And I had to make the best choice for me. And that's all that I could advocate for anybody else. Mm. That's beautiful. And, you know, to, 
to transition in, in the best way I think I can, you just said advocacy for others. And you do that in so many areas. You do that in so many ways so that I, I have to know, like I'm a little, I'm super curious. In fact, (laughs) um, what's like an average day or week like for you in terms of where your productive and creative energies and your time is spent because there's indie birth, there's educating midwives, families, mothers, there's the podcast, there's live events. And you know, you can talk about that too. I definitely want to plug that. And Oh, you also have eight kids and a marriage and (laughs) like yourself. (laughs) So I'm just curious, you know, where, where you are kind of divided up, so to speak. Mm. Yeah, no, I love that question. And I know you can appreciate that as well. (laughs) Both of you can. It's, you know, it's not even a woman thing. It's like, how do we? How do we do these things? Um, You know, to be honest, there's a lot of just like real life-ness about it. But when I start my day, at least, uh, it's very much on an energetic level. Mm. Um, I love my Danielle Laporte planner. Nice. And, <laughs> yeah, totally. Like that's helped me so much. And it was something I did even before I knew that that was a thing, um, which is get up and sort of like set the mood for the day. Like, okay, what's on the calendar? This, this, and this. How am I going to use the time in between that? Do I need to use the time in between that? Or can today be a, I'm hanging out with the kids say, you know, like what needs to happen and what's the overall like feeling or emotion or, you know, where am I at today? If I'm feeling really motivated and passionate about something, then it's time to do these things. And if I'm feeling really, you know, laid back and I'm just going to be, then there are other things to do. So I like to start the day like that. Then I get out for a hike and that is my alone time. And often I'll do, you know, an Instagram live or some kind of businessy related thing, but I have to start the day like that. And then I feel like I have a good handle on what needs to happen. Uh, Margo and I, of course, are very much always in conversation. So it's always, you know, splitting up what needs to happen or mm. any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, of course, have client visits and stuff I need to get out to do and midwifery school stuff. So it is a huge balancing act. But I try not to get stressed about it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a super stressed person, I don't think generally. So, you know, it's all about sitting in that space of feeling grateful and content, I think, you know, as much as we can, like I'm a person too. And there's days that totally are hard and suck and kids get sick and all of those things. Uh, But generally, it's like, I just want to shine my light in the world. And I feel like things just come out of that. Like I'm not trying overly hard. I'm really not. (laughs) That's some like serious goddess energy you're talking about. Because that's to me like what like goddess divine feminine is it's like you see all the fruits of the labor you know pun intended I guess you see all of it but you don't see you know all the effort necessarily that goes into it because best believe there is you know there's blood sweat and tears but that's not what you're seeing on the external and that doesn't make it inauthentic like that's just really what it is and that's how it translates because it's pure and because it's your passion and you know we just get to experience all the awesomeness that you're putting out there Because I think when you're alignment, it isn't, you know, difficult, you know, it isn't hard. It isn't this uphill battle because when you're in purpose, like you are, yeah, it flows. 
Totally. Yeah. And I mean, I've been on the other side, like I'm 40 and I've had other, you know, at least one other career. So I've experienced that. I've experienced feeling like life is really hard and, you know, can't make enough money, don't have enough time. And ultimately, yeah, I agree. I just think I wasn't in the flow. Like that wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. And, you know, I feel really grateful to be in that now things like our school have just happened. Like, I don't even know how. <laughs> um, and, and like you said, yeah, totally blood, sweat and tears, but not in a way that feels, you know, feels like it's taking the energy out of you. Everything right. that I'm doing. Yeah. It's like putting the energy in. And so that's your internal motor, you know, I mean, you still have to be careful not to overwork yourself. And I, and I do, I try to balance that as best I can, but ultimately what you're doing is fueling more of what you're doing because you're being, and that's the best way to do it. Mm, Absolutely. So what cool things are you guys cooking up over at Indie Birth right now? Let's see. Well, uh, we have an incoming class in July for our Indie Birth Midwifery School. That's a different website. Uh, Side note, we are working on combining all of these things because it's a little confusing. We know that. So IndieBirthMidwiferySchool.org and those women will be starting in July. We have an Indie Birth Retreat in May, and that's IndieBirthConference.org. That will be in the woods in Minnesota. We have birth workers and moms and uh, doulas and yoga teachers and all kinds of women coming to sit in circle and ceremony and community in May. And other than that, we are just kind of redoing the website and rebranding and all kinds of businessy, businessy stuff. And, you know, always new stuff coming. It just depends on the week. <laughs> sure. I get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. Totally. Oh, that's so cool. And, and for everybody listening, we are going to have links to all of this, all of the websites that Marin mentioned and the podcasts and all the cool stuff we're going to have over at com. And uh, for Marin's episode. And yeah, this has been fantastic. Incredible. I'm so grateful to you. And yeah, any and all ways that people can connect with you, we will include that. And um, and anything else you've got going on. I mean, this is a really cool partnership and kind of connection that we've created. So I see Indie Birth and doing it at home, hanging out for for a while together and in other capacities as well. (laughs) Totally. I would love that. You know, again, my word for the year is connection. And I am so appreciative of you guys, uh, the work that you're doing, you know, putting out this podcast and talking to families and and women just because you've done it like that is so valuable. Um, so thank you. And I'm so excited to see what else we can do. Yes. Yes. Marin Green of Indie Birth. Thank you. Thank yes. you. Quick note about the Doing It at Home podcast. Matthew and I are not doctors or medical professionals, and nothing we say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. If you have medical or health-related questions, please take them to a trained professional. We're here simply to entertain you with stories and conversations about pregnancy, birth, and parenthood. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad-approved? Dadages. 
Hi there, I'm Chad Higgins. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Dadages. That's D-A-D-A-G-E-S, wherever you listen to your podcasts.